sometimes I feel like I'm back in high school um, dealing with real estate every day. And it's funny because while I was in high school, you had these people that were, I guess, the bullies or the popular people. Sometimes the popular people weren't the bullies, but sometimes you did have them where they felt like they were, I don't know, growing up in Miami. And I, I love the high school I went to, but there are always these cliques of people that were were there. You had the popular people, the regular people, the unpopular people, then you had the bullies, and then you had like the show-offs. And I, I don't know if you could relate to this, but in real estate nowadays, so this is, you know, we're in the second quarter of 2021. And there's so many things that I, I'm seeing um, nowadays. I'm gonna share with you them in a second. But if you looked at social media anytime, and this is for people that aren't realtors, if you're a realtor, um, you may be able to relate to this. And for those of that you that don't know, if you didn't see the thumbnail of this video, it's basically, it's uh, an update in the middle half of 2021 and the real estate market in Miami. And so many times on the news, you hear so many things about like the very, very low inventory market, how a lot of real estate agents are saying how, you know, how busy they are and how much stuff is selling for over asking price. And, you know, I was inspired by a few of my friends that are real estate agents today to make this video and share some information that should hopefully help those people that want to buy a home, get their homes, um, get their offers accepted and also to make a little bit make it a little bit more clear with some of the decisions that are being made today and hopefully this helps you and get a better understanding of the market in Miami and I think our market is very very similar to markets around the country so I think this will help a lot of you so first of all a major major thing that's incorrect that we keep hearing on the news is the lack of inventory. And although we do have less inventory um, for, you know, less inventory, meaning less homes for sale, um, it's very different in different parts of the country. And I'll give you an, an example, because I heard from a few of my friends who are in different parts of the country, like all different, you know, I'm in Miami, so it's in the South, Southeast, but I, I spoke to friends that are in the Midwest, in the Northeast, just all over the US. And they're experiencing the same thing that I am. So just so you know, Miami stats. And the way I did this is because, you know, COVID was pretty powerful is as far as like the effect it had on inventory in 2020. And that started around March. I always think around the second week of March when sports sort of just closed down and they they didn't have the NCAA Final Four, they didn't have like the NCAA tournament and all the sporting teams and all the big events and there was like shutter at home, you were, you were staying at home. So that was around March of last year. So for the stats that I looked up, I looked up how many listings we had at the end of the first, um, basically the, the second quarter of 2020. So if you look at those numbers, and I'm gonna cheat a little bit because I, I, I'm not sure if I remember the stats, but um, basically last year, 2020, second quarter, we had 15,390 listings in Miami. Okay, so if we compare that, if you had to guess 
and think how much less the inventory is this year. If you if you listen to the news or social media or read stuff or see videos and, and all other you know different ways of getting information, you would think our inventory is down at least a quarter or more, you know, 25% or more than that. But in Miami, surprisingly, it it's not that much different. So, and when I used Miami, even though we're right now the very, very beginning of May, since we haven't done the second quarter yet, we haven't finished, you know, April, May, June. We're just, we basically only finished like about five weeks of the year, uh, of the second quarter. So it doesn't make sense to use those numbers. For me, it makes more sense to use a quarter that's already finished, the last quarter that finished, which was the first quarter, 2021. So if I look at the listings and going back to the number, the second quarter of 2020 in Miami, there were 15,390 active listings. If I look at the end of the quarter of, of 2021, the first quarter, Instead of 15,390, we had 14,661. So it's not much different. And if, if you're like a math person like I am, it's only a decrease in 4.7% inventory. So only a four, less than 5% difference in inventory. And it's not that much because that happens sometimes, you know, in, in past years. So with that said, why are things so different? Why, why does it seem like a madhouse? I saw a joke the other day and it was sort of like real estate humor. My, my wife is a doctor and sometimes they have like medical humor and it's funny to her and sometimes it's not funny to me. And whether it's her or someone else in my family that's a doctor sharing me the, sharing the joke with me. So the real estate humor, it was, it was very poor taste, but some people thought it was funny. And just, it, it, it highlighted the lack of um, quote unquote inventory, lack of inventory that we have now. And it said, if your spouse doesn't like a home that you like, get rid of the spouse and find another spouse and get that home because finding another home is probably more difficult than finding another spouse. Poor taste, the joke, sort of funny. Um, but with that said, that perception, that's a perception that people get. But with 4.7% less inventory, would you get that perception? Perception? Probably not. So let me share with you some of the reasons why this is happening. And go back to high school, you know, thinking about like egos. That was such a big thing in high school, having an ego, whether you're the smartest or you're the funniest or whatever it is, people had huge egos. And what happens in this market is, because inventory is slightly less, but more importantly, we hear all the news and we hear we we hear these things that somewhat manipulate our mind into thinking, you know, that's our perception. It may not be reality, but it's the perception. So what happens is people will think that the market is hotter than it is, and it creates people to overbid for properties. So it's not uncommon for people to pay a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars over asking price, 10%, 15% over asking price. And what happens is when you get that perception and a lot of people keep doing that, you're competing against the same people that have that perception. So if two or three people, if, if there's a property for sale and there's seven offers on it, 
and four people have that perception that there's no inventory, that, that, that it's so difficult to find a home, they're gonna overbid on it. And what happens when multiple people overbid on properties, you know, it's gonna go for over asking price and people are gonna start, they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose their offers. Where in the past, their offer would have got accepted very easily with what they're offering. All of a sudden, it wasn't even in the running. So what that usually does with people because of egos, it's like at an auction. If you lose enough, you're gonna wanna overbid because you don't wanna just keep losing. And sometimes you lose focus of why you're buying the home. So people will overbid, they'll get rid of their their um, contingencies. Maybe they get rid of a finance contingency. Maybe they get rid of an inspection contingency, an appraisal contingency, whatever. There are multiple things that people are doing and putting themselves in terrible positions because of the perception of what the market is. And that perception becomes reality. So a lot of people are overbidding and doing all these things, making it much more difficult for people to buy homes. So what should you do? You know, if you're buying a home and you're competing and you really need to move and you're competing against these people, what should you do? How should you solve this problem? And there are multiple ways. I always look at it this way. I get a question asked a lot and it's a lot of people will ask me whether they're looking to buy a home or they're not they'll say, you know, when is the best time to buy a house? And my answer is almost always the same. It is, you know, the best time to buy a home is when it's the right time for you. And I say that and I don't mean to like deflect the question, but at the end of the day, when it's something so personal for you, your family or whoever else is involved in your decision, it's a major, major change in your life. And if you're not ready at that time, it doesn't matter what the financial dynamics are. Because when someone buys something, usually they buy it on emotion, whether it's a house, a car, something they buy for their, their spouse, whether boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, when they pay more than they wanna pay, they buy it emotionally and then they justify it logically. People over, overpay for things because of emotion and then they justify it logically. So I don't want you to do that. I mean, you can to a point, but you have to look at, take a step back. Why are you moving? Is this gonna be long-term? Is this gonna be short-term? Is it, is it gonna be because the rates are low? But if the rates are low, and if you're paying $100,000 more for a home and you're settling for a property, is it really the right time to buy a property? Probably not. So I would say this, look at your long-term perspective, because if you're gonna buy a property and you're gonna sell it in two or three years from now, do not buy a property. I, you know, my, my job is to sell homes, obviously, but I think more importantly, my job is to guide you the best way. And if you need to sell your home in two or three years, do not buy it today, 100%. Because you're gonna pay over market value, you're going to get rid of contingencies to get that property. Or you're gonna, if you don't, you're probably buying a property that no one really wants to deal with. So if you do that in the future, if you are going to sell, the market isn't gonna be like this two or three years from now. It's gonna be a regular market where appraisals are important, where there's less cash offers, where people are inspecting properties, where they'll cancel if there is something minor on an inspection sometimes. So don't put yourself in a position for that. If it is long-term and you're going to buy, then it's okay. You can buy, you can buy the property 
Because at the end of the day, if you're gonna live in that property 15 or 20 years or 10 years, 10, 12, whatever the years, and you're gonna have a lot of memories in that property, at the end of the time when you sell it, because I've asked so many sellers when they've sold their home, what do you remember most about this house? And almost always they tell me about the memories. Now, one time has someone said, well, you know what, we overpaid, you know, this percent more, 100 or 200,000 or 5% or 10% more when they got it. They think of the memories and all the time that they had in that home. So if there's a home that you really love, that you fall in love with, and you have to overpay to get it, do it only if it's long-term and it's something that you could see yourself or your family or friends or whoever's living with you, um, living in there a long, long time. The short term, do not do it. Um, another thing I was gonna say about the ego, about high school and about that thing, about people like losing and then because they're losing their ego, they're, they're overpaying. Another thing is with agents and you know, just like in high school, and I'm saying, I'm gonna be saying some negative things about agents, but just like in high school, there were these clicks but more importantly, there was probably 80 to 90% of the people were really cool. And there were this subset of people that, you know, weren't the best. And that's that's in our market right now. A lot of these agents that have these listings, maybe 10%, small number, are super stuck up. They make it so difficult when, when you're a buyer's agent and you're reaching out to them. But just because that's that's happening, if you're a if your agent is is helping you buy a home. You have an agent, you have, it's called a buyer's agent. Your buyer's agent is having you, you know, helping you find a home. The worst thing, you have to make sure that that agent has a, a very easygoing demeanor. They can't get upset easily because in this market, if you're calling up an agent and they're, they're not returning calls, they're not returning texts, they're trying to, do other things that aren't always the best things to do in a normal market. You have to have very thick skin to deal with that. So the best advice I could give you as far as getting your offer accepted, again, assuming this is a property that you don't mind overpaying because it's gonna be a property that you'll, you'll live in for a long time, you'll have a lot of memories and you don't mind that, you're not gonna be living there short term. So if that's the case, and I keep giving these disclaimers because I want to make it crystal clear that the only reason you should buy now is because you have to or because you see yourself living in that property many, many years. With that said, one of the things that a couple of my friends shared with me and I experience all the time is as a listing agent, what happens, the best chance you have if you're a buyer of getting your offer accepted is for your agent to have a good relationship from that first phone call, from that first text with that uh, with that listing agent, the agent representing the seller. Seller, if I if I communicate with a listing agent, and whether they're difficult or hard or or however they are, or even they're nice, if I'm always nice and I'm I'm very kind to them, and I understand that they're dealing with multiple showings, they they just have a lot of stress. And I'm kind to them. And when I meet them, I'm kind to them. And if I if I guide my buyers not to say like negative things about the house while they're in the house with that other agent, because all of a sudden this agent has like 50 or 100 calls about a property. And if we're looking at the property and you are the buyer and you're saying a bunch of negative things about 
the house, that buyer is going to take it personally. He shouldn't or she shouldn't, but they are. So it's going to be difficult to get your offer accepted if you're like that. Or even if your offer would get accepted, it'll, you'll make it harder. You'll have to pay more because all of a sudden that agent isn't going to represent your offer the best way, that listing agent. So if you're kind, if you're, if you're, if you don't like say bad things in front of the agent, if you're, and by all means, after you see that home, share that with your, with the buyer that's representing you for the purchase. Of course, we want you to give as much information as we can, because at the end of the day, if you don't like the home, we don't want you to buy it. I don't, I, I never, ever, no matter what the commission is ever, 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 ever. If you buy a $20 million home from me and I know you're not going to be happy, I do not want you to buy that home. I want the home to be something that you're excited about, your family, your friends, and everything that every everyone that is within your, your group are excited about the home. Otherwise, I don't want you to buy it. So if you, after you see that home, share whatever information you can with your agent, and then they'll create a strategy for you. If you have a big down payment and you're putting 40% down, maybe you can get rid of that appraisal contingency because it's not that big a deal. If it's a brand new home and you're okay doing a few things here and there, maybe it's, it is okay to get rid of that inspection um, contingency. Maybe it's not, but maybe it is. It depends on your comfort level. And if you're, if you're okay overpaying with the property because you see that neighborhood as a transitional neighborhood, meaning the value you see as going up a lot in the future compared to how it is now, because maybe it's a, it's a neighborhood where the homes are seem to all be getting updated and they were older homes in the past. Whatever the case is, if you feel that there's potential, then it's okay to do these things. But bottom line is there are a lot of things that you can do now to help yourself but more, more importantly than that, for me, the main thing I wanted you to get out of this video is do not buy a home today unless you have to or you're going to live there a long term. Please don't. Okay. Thanks so much. If you ever need help um, and you have a question, um, feel free to reach out to me or the team. You can find us at allinmiami.com. That's allinmiami.com. And just like always, my link and all our information is in the comment section um, within this, um, whatever platform you're seeing this, whether this is a podcast you're listening to, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, as you can tell, we post on everything. Um, feel free to reach out to us, never an obligation. We just wanna help you as much as we can. Just think of yourself as having family in the business. Thanks so much, take care, love you guys.